What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's time for the Rick Smith Show. Here is the voice of the working class, Rick Smith. And welcome, brothers, sisters, working class heroes. This is the Rick Smith Show. Thanks so much for being here today on the big program. Lots to get to, lots to talk about. Got an interesting email that that you know, stuck in my head over the last day or so. And it got me thinking about, you know, several years back, I was doing some research for our labor history in two segments. And and I came across this super secretive anti-union organization that operated in the U.S. during the late 19th, early 20th century. Their name was the Order of the Bees. And it, you know, it's one of those things where there's not a lot of information on it. So, you know, it's one of those things I stumbled on going, wow, I wish I could find more about this. But the Order of the Bees, they were formed back, you know, like I said, late 19th, early 20th century in response to what was a growing labor movement. Workers wanted to form unions to fight for better wages, hours, conditions, for, for better governance, better housing, better opportunities. Well, the bees were created to sow division in the working class. Now, understand, uh, the members of the Order of the Bees... Uh, they were, you know, your typical, they were the business owners, they were your managers, they were, you know, wealthy folks who, well, hated unions, and their goal was to maintain control over the workforce. You know, make those working people grateful. So these are basically anyone who made their living off the backs of others, because you don't want them to get too uppity, you don't want them to demand too much. That's your money, That's your, those are your profits. And, you know, as I was doing the research on this, the, organi the organization did a lot of spying on union organizing, blacklisted union sympathizers, and yes, used violence and intimidation to break strikes and suppress any organizing that would go on. Even, even just talk of it could get you blacklisted, could get you banned, could you get you beaten. Um, and you go, well, why, why, uh, you know, why would you do this? Now, understand, the, the Order of the Bees, they, they weren't someone who advertised. They didn't put new things in the newspaper. Uh, they were covert. Uh, their membership, their activities, secret. Because they didn't want legal repercussion. They didn't want the public scrutiny. They didn't want anyone to know that they weren't the upstanding citizens that they appear on Sunday in church. But here's the thing, and this is the part that I think is important. They were part of what was a broader anti-union movement 
that included citizens groups, business associations, even government agencies, when people would take them over, the moneyed interest would get their people elected. And again, the goal, always the goal is about the money. Destroy labor. Destroy any organizing that goes on. And while the, the Order of the Bees is, well, not well known or wasn't, you know, over influential uh, at the time, um, it did represent what was a fairly dark chapter in the, in the country's history because it was, it was really under the radar. It was, it was one of those things that, you know, you didn't really know about until you knew about it. And the reality is, is we've seen throughout American history that there are groups that are well-funded, uh, well-organized, and their goal, their goal is to give power to whoever is willing to destroy unions, to destroy labor. You know, anyone who's out there fighting for better wages, hours, conditions has to be destroyed. You know, you go back to of the late 19th, early 20th century, the most the most popular of the time were the Citizens Alliances. You know, these were the you know the business leaders, the politicians, the people who who were would come out. You know, I think of you know in my neck of the woods the the famous story of when Hershey chocolate went on strike, and uh, the Milton Hershey at the time and the the powers to be. Um, got all of the, uh, you know, the farmers, all of the dairy, dairy, dairy folks, all of the people who, you know, made their living off of moving the chocolate or having inputs into chocolate, uh, got them all organized, you know, brought in some strike breakers from New York, you know, because you need some good muscle and and went after the, the workers in Hershey who had engaged in the sit down strike, made them walk a gauntlet, beat them with with bats and beat them with, well, the, the axe handles from the planing mills that Hershey owned. Very interesting how it all played together. But this is what this is what that era was like. And this is what union organizing was like in the late 19th, early 20th century. Now, we're a little more civilized. You know, you go to the middle of the 20th century, early early to middle. Uh, the You had the open shop movement because, hey, we can't have security clauses. We can't make sure that, that unions represent everyone and that everyone's involved in it. No, no. Uh, and it was, oh, for the good, for the good of you, the individual. And now, of course, we've got the National Right to Work Committee, who's, again, heavily funded by corporate America and the well-to-do. Because, well, we don't want, we don't want workers organizing. You know, as I said, these anti-union citizens groups funded by wealthy individuals, big corporations, and these business, associ these business associations who, you know, unions are are a threat, a threat to their profit, a threat to their power, a threat to their control. And look, they used every resource at their disposal, financial resources to lobby lawmakers. They got to hire high-priced law firms to file lawsuit after lawsuit and do all, all of that stuff. They spread anti-union propaganda through all of their front groups and their media and engaged in, well, you name it, you name the activity, any way they could undermine organizing, they did. And all workers wanted was, well, a fair shake. You know, a, a fair share of the wealth that their labor creates. And the moneyed interests have always sought, and I always use the, the Jay Gould quote, I can easily pay half the working class to murder the other half. This is, you know, could have been anyone of the era. Because the goal was divide and conquer. Because if workers remain divided, pitted against each other, sliced and diced neatly, 
you know, on ethnicity, on, on, on race, on gender. If you could keep them pitted against each other and, you know, keep that hierarchy in place where they're eating each other, better yet for the people sitting all the way up in the ivory tower, the folks collecting the profit. And you go, but Rick, you know, why does this, what does this matter? That's ancient history. Well, the citizens' alliances are still around. They're still well-funded. And the reason I bring it up is someone, a listener, you know, emailed me a story from Blair County, Pennsylvania, uh, the Altoona Mirror newspaper. And what it does, it talks about the Tea Party group there. Hey, they're still active, still funded, still active. Um, they're holding a tactical civics uh, group meeting. Uh, and if you haven't heard of them, you're going to. Uh, they're they're part of what was uh, the great anger of 2021. They started uh, right after um, you know Joe Biden got inaugurated. Interesting enough, how how the moneyed interests fund anger outrage machines to to go and 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 keep people pitted against each other, working people pitted against each other, so that they 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 destroy things, so that they they cause chaos so that they, well, vote for the person who's going to destroy labor. Kind of reminds you of the Tea Party movement. You know, the Tea Party movement came about when? Oh, yeah, the great anger of 2009. And what happened in 2009? Oh, yeah, the black guy went to the White House. That's right. And what we got out of that was the, the great anger, the great Tea Party, funded by the, the billionaire class, um, that... Great, got us the great slogan of "Get your government hands off my Medicare," and I got to tell you, no greater, no greater, greater peace came out of that entire movement than that kind of well, one understanding that the anger is real, but total and complete misinformation and lack of of understanding of how things work. Just being fed the anger and and stoked the anger, and understand the 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 wealthy. The big business owners, they understand this. They understand it better than anyone. That all you got to do is go get those angry people who are, who are, trust me, are struggling, are hurting. Give them someone to be angry at. Give them someone to hate. Turn them in a direction. Feed them the red meat and say, go. And this is, this is what's happening. Because you're seeing this going on. The moneyed interests are backing their little candidates, and Trump has given the okay for the racists and the homophobes and all those people to, to, to say, I just want to, I'm not going to be politically correct. And the thing that gets me is, you know, while they're they're doing all of this organizing of individuals, now understand these tactical civics groups, along with the Tea Party, report back to the local militia groups because the wealthy understand what they're doing. They want to they want to spread some fear. So you need a bunch of angry guys with guns uh, who are marching around in the fields, uh, showing their their their, their toys, um, and then you know making these threats. You know we're ready when when the revolution starts. We're ready. It's like it's like keeping the you know the the angry dog on the leash. It's all about scaring people. It's all about going well. You know we've got our attack dogs over here. If if you don't give us what we want. You know, as you know, as as we talk about, uh, the reality is, uh, these these folks know what they're doing, and the Republican Party is where they're doing this. And I say all the time, Republicans hate working people. Look at what they do. 
Uh, these are the people who have you know, fostered the, the right to work laws that have have attacked union members. These are the people who go after uh, who, and pass anti-union legislation to restrict collective bargaining, to limit what organizers can do, and, you know, put barriers on union certification to, to put perfect example, South Carolina. South Carolina wants to pass a piece of legislation, is in the process of doing it, that says any any, any company that gets um, state money, they cannot, as a matter of law, recognize the union without a, an intimidating, harassing secret ballot initiative. Got to have them vote for it, and we've got to have paper. Knowing that, you know, companies will engage in, in harassing tactics. And remember, you know, Republicans pushed for outsourcing and offshoring, privatization. They've gone after all of this. They've, they've wor- weakened what few protections workers have. This is what they do. Deregulation, you know, the, the, the destruction of employment classifications. You name it, this is what these folks do. And they've been doing it for a while. And this is what the lobbying of the big moneyed interests get them. A Republican Party that's bought and paid for. And hates working people. Then they go and they file a bunch of lawsuits. For instance, you remember a few weeks ago we talked about um, SpaceX, Amazon, Trader Joe's. You know, Musk, Bezos, and the Albrecht family are are wealthy of the wealthy getting together, asking federal courts to declare core functions of the National Labor Relations Act as unconstitutional. Yeah, 80 years of decided law, out the door. Can't have that. Can't have those workers having any rights they're taking from me and look the republicans have done such a great job and you can thank trump and and mitch mcconnell uh they have done such a great job of packing our courts with anti-worker judges remember all of the other stuff is window dressing all of the attacks on the culture wars and woke and all that stuff nonsense and they know the, the wealthy know this their goal is specifically to destroy the organizing that's going on, the, the excitement that's happening. It's interesting how all this stuff just seems to bubble to the surface as workers are going, hey, wait a minute, this is crazy. Now, again, more lawsuits. Uh, and an, opi- an opinion piece over at the Democracy Docket written by attorney Mark Ellis. Um, he writes, quote, In just the first six weeks of 2024, Republicans and their allies have filed 10 lawsuits aimed at making voting more difficult and elections less secure. These are not routine challenges to particular aspects of election administration. Uh, Collectively, they are breathtaking in their audacity, seeking to curtail the right to vote and undermining the impartial role of election administrators. If successful, they risk overturning the will of the voters in 2024. And he goes through and says, look, this is these are what these 10 lawsuits are going to do. Uh, they're going to challenge making it easier for people to vote and to register to vote. Sorry, <laughs> we're going to make we're going to put as many barriers and obstacles as we can in front of you. Uh, they're going to challenge the ability um to challenge voters, to limit the ability of challenging voters. Like Georgia, for instance, you had the one woman who challenged like 35,000 people's votes who she knew none of them, but she may have thought she believed that, you know, those people who live in that neighborhood, they, they're not capable of voting. So she challenged their votes. 
Now remember, yep, they're going after uh, empowering co counties. Anything, any county that empowers people to stop intimidation, they're against. Uh, we love our intimidation inside and outside the polling places, evidently. And you go through all this stuff. And you look at what they're what they're doing. It's all about causing dissension in the ranks, keeping people pitted against each other, making the vote seem less secure so that we can go their way. Instead of the voice of the people, it's all about them. And the question I keep coming back to is, we've seen this movie before. We've seen the outcome before. We've been down this road. When will we stop? I've been saying for a very long time, the way we reunite this country is we reunionize. We come back together. We, we talk to each other. We have disagreements. We have arguments. And, and look, I have, I have lots of conversations all the time with people. But we have to, in the working class, figure out where our common ground is and figure out how we solve problems, not create them. Understand, the wealth class of this country knows what they're doing. They're loving the fact that unions are weak, the tax code's rigged in their favor. Regulations are are, are basically ineffective uh, at stopping them from abusing workers. And look, we're going after child labor laws. So yay, our legal our our, our legal system is in their pocket. Our, our our legislative branches are bought and paid for. We the people are sadly divided. The good thing is they've done this before. They've done this numerous times before. This this is an old game. But for us, we have a way forward. And that way forward is, is organizing the workplace. What my grandparents' generation did. Did they have disagreements? Sure, absolutely. But when you start making the working class a little more prosperous, when they can pay their bills, when they can make sure their kids have health insurance, when they can make sure there's a roof over their head, when they got a little disposable income for some, some good things, uh, to make that makes life a little 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 more tolerable when you got those things and you, you see your kids having a better future and better opportunities because you're doing well people get a little less angry they get a little more tolerant and the wealth class can't have that they need us barely getting by they need us scraping and and fighting and scrimping to get by because then we're we're angry and we're easy to manipulate. And look, they control, as I said, just about every aspect of what we see, hear, and read. And the dominance of right-wing media in this country. I know they, they, they cry the victim, oh, the liberal media. Good luck on that. And when we come back, I'm going to share a little story from, from this past week that I, I find, again, about our media that I think is really important. Uh, if you miss any portion of the program, make sure you grab the podcast. Wherever you get your favorite podcast, you'll find ours. I want to hear your thoughts, though. Can we? Can we recreate that prosperous working class of the past? Can we reunite the nation? I want to hear it. Email me, rick at the ricksmithshow.com. Right back. Thanks for tuning in to The Rick Smith Show. 
Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Rick Smith Show. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can find all that and much more at thericksmithshow.com. Welcome back to The Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. So I had an interesting conversation the other day. Um, someone I know fairly well came up to me and said, you know, that Bob Casey, because uh, here in Pennsylvania, Bob Casey is running for re-election. Uh, I believe this is his fourth fourth run at uh, re-election. And he goes, can you believe what Bob Casey did? And I said, no, what did, what did Bob Casey do? Because I hadn't heard uh, what the accusation against Bob Casey was. And he said, well, Bob Casey gave Norfolk Southern a $143 million federal grant. You know, while he's out there running around saying that Norfolk Southern, you know, is responsible for East Palestine, he gave them money. And I'm like, well, I, I hadn't heard that. I, I'm going to have to look that up. So I went back and I, I tried to find it and I, I wasn't finding uh, anything. So I went back and I said, hey, you know, where did you where did you get that? So he shows me the article and I and I look immediately as I do, I scroll to the source. You know, where are you getting this information? Because there's a bias. And it's important to know bias both on the right and on the left on which way they're going to swing. And of course, it was Breitbart of all sources, which I don't I find no credibility in whatsoever. But again, another one of these organizations funded by very wealthy people for the sole purpose of, of sowing dissent and disinformation. My view. So as I'm reading through this, you know, they're talking about how, you know, this guy's the guy who's been going after the you know thing and blaming them. And, and here he is giving this money. And oh, by the way, he's taking campaign cash. And they go through and they talk about, you know, a couple of people who, you know, lobbyists who've given him $1,000 here or there. And it totals something like 36, 37 grand uh, from, from the pack and like 4,000 from individuals. So you're looking at less than $50,000 over, over a couple year thing. And then this goes into this conspiratorial, you know, he didn't, he didn't report it until the next quarter. And, you know, all of this creating an environment that, you know, Bob Casey's in the pocket of Norfolk Southern because he gave them, they gave him, you know, f less than 50 grand and he gave them 143 million. Now, here's the reality. Uh, there was legislation that was passed by the U.S. Senate, by the United States House of Representatives, and signed by the president. It wasn't just Bob Casey. Uh, there was a $143 million federal grant that went to Norfolk Southern, who owns the railroad tracks that Amtrak runs on. Uh, this was a, a push to get high-speed rail into Pennsylvania, oh, something which Bob Casey did absolutely, without question, fight for. Because, you know, getting from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia would be a great thing. Getting from where I live near Harrisburg to Washington, D.C. or Philadelphia would be a good thing. Where I live, I wish we could get from where I live to Harrisburg. There was a plan a number of years ago, right when I first moved here. It's called Corridor 1. They wanted a light rail so that you could, you could hub into Harrisburg, into the, the state's capital. And, you know, when I grew up in Cleveland, you know, we used to ride the RTA, the rapid transit there. 
And, you know, you would park out in the suburbs and you'd take the, the rapid down into the terminal tower and you'd take the, the, the loop buses wherever, wherever throughout the city. It was a great system, very efficient, cheap. And, you know, whenever I, whenever I, even to this day, when I go back and visit and we'll go to a baseball or football game or something downtown, we always park out, out in the suburbs and, you know, take the train down. Parking's free. <laughs> and you, you don't have to deal with all the traffic. It's a great public service. It's a great thing to be investing in. Did they say any of that? No, no, they didn't do that. Uh, they attacked him for giving federal funds. And this is the headline. Senator Bob Casey gives federal funds to Norfolk Southern days after accepting lobbyist cash. Like somehow, somehow that, that couple of bucks, uh, that, that swayed his decision. Now, this is another reason that I'm against campaign contributions from, from, from anyone other than individuals and at a certain at a, at a meager amount and then having matching fu federal funds because this this is what I don't like lobbyists to begin with and I don't like their cash in our politics but understand a number of the groups that that they pointed out as lobbyists that are you know in in Norfolk Southern's uh, pocket are people who are promoting rail transit promoting things that I want they're lobbying for that. And look, Norfolk Southern wants it because if you put things on the rail, they make more money. Yeah, okay. But again, the story, and this is where, you know, the, the power of the right-wing media to be able to get people to, to only choose their sources is dangerous. It's bad for democracy. It's bad for, for we the people because it creates an environment of my side, your side. Instead of the truth, our news should be fact-based. You know, I asked the, the question the other day because I had seen a story that says, you know, does your, does your news share your views? And the answer is, it shouldn't. Um, my views should not be what I get from the news. What I get from the news should be the facts. And then I make my own decisions. Now, Sometimes we've had that. Sometimes we haven't. We're in a time right now where we really don't. And what I like about the time we're in now is I can look at something like Breitbart and say, I think it's garbage and, and read it and get the chuckle because this is going to be the right wing meme for the day. And look, the same thing happens, but to a much smaller extent on the, on the left. I like to have the balance of extreme thoughts, but I wish we had more more in the middle of the road that's just reporting, that's just telling us what is. And I know, I know, you know, Rick, you're a news show. No, no, this is this is an opinion show. This is my my view. I do not ever tell you what I believe the news is. I'll tell you what someone reported. Tell you what someone else said. And what I think about it and what I, I think I hope you'll think and agree with me on. But this idea that we've created these news outlets, Fox News, really? And all of the other ones that are billionaire funded? The reason that you don't have an equally powerful left media is there's no money in it. There are no left billionaires. I know George Soros, George Soros, George Soros just bought a right wing radio outlet. Do you think he's going to flip that over to left wing politics? No, 
He's in the business of making money. And that's what that's about. But there's no infrastructure on the left really to compete with the, the massive number of outlets that are on the right. The moneyed interest, and this is the, this is the important part of this. The moneyed interests know that the more we can keep you divided, the more that we're eating each other and pitted against each other, the more they're going to profit. As my grandfather always said, if you see a rich guy take a buck out of his pocket to tell you you don't need something, you better spend two to get it because they understand return on investment. And when they're funding all of these news, quote unquote, news outlets, it's about returning their investment. And what does that mean? Lower wages for you, less health care, less retirement. That's what it means. For our free speech TV audience, I appreciate you tuning in. Want to hear your thoughts? Email me, rick at the ricksmithshow.com. For our radio affiliates across the country, quick break. Right back. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. You know, it's interesting for all the talk of, uh, you know, Joe Biden's old senile. <laughs> uh, interesting couple of speeches uh, Donald Trump had uh, over the weekend. Uh, evidently, uh, while praising uh, the the wife uh, during a speech in D.C., I uh, called her Mercedes. Uh, now, now, look, this could be, uh, you know, maybe slip of the tongue, you know, Melania, Mercedes. There, both begin with M. Let's go there. And I guess in another speech, forgot one of his kids and his wife. Forgot Eric. And I understand Eric. I always call dumb juniors, so you know, not surprising. Not surprising. Forgot that one. 
But you got to wonder. You got to wonder. Anyway, here to share some thoughts on the top stories of the day, our good friend, former Ohio congressman and political analyst, Bob Nay. Bob, thanks for taking time for us. Thank you, Rick. So um, slip of the tongue, is he, is he slipping mentally or is this not a, not a thing? Well, I looked at the uh, CPAC uh, press statement, not on this issue, but just sort of like a transcript. And what he's going to say is he said, there is Mercedes, meaning she's like a Mercedes Benz, okay? Which doesn't get him votes with the auto workers, but you know, <laughs> I'm just saying. He could, now, if he said, you know, she's like a uh, F-150 or a Chevy or something, now, you know, that's different. That can get you some blue-collar votes, but not the Mercedes part. Okay, so that's... that's... You know, isn't, it, isn't it interesting, Rick, you know, the president will mess up something, and then, surely, that week, Trump will. They sort of negate each other when it comes to this issue, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 quite remarkable uh, but, you know, as I've said, I, I look at them as one guy's trying to do- destroy democracy and the other guy has done a really good job of helping working people. And I, I just think it's uh, this this November for me is a no brainer. I, I think we put Trump on the trash heap of history and and keep moving forward. But uh, that's just just my thought. Now, I do find it interesting, though. You know, he's leaning into the indictment stuff, as you knew he would. He had a quote over the weekend. Uh, they're talking about other politicians who come out and they resign and you never hear from them again. Well, he's not going to do such a thing like I ever doubted that he would. I don't think he will. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know if you remember J.D. Watts from Oklahoma. Uh, he got elected in 1994. He had been a football player and easygoing guy. And he decided to not run again. And there was so much speculation in Bruja. And I happened to be downstairs in the Capitol and I saw him and I'm like, Hey, you know, what's going on? And he said, you're not going to believe this, but I want to spend more time with my family. You don't normally hear that. It's not normally particularly true necessarily some cases, but Trump uh, made that, that quote before where people, you know, they're trying to escape and they want to make more time with their family, et cetera. And he says, he'll press on no matter what we'll see, we'll see what happens in the next five or six months. I mean, no one knows or can predict totally the court system or or what's next or how the polls run for the president or Trump. This is, you know this, you've been around, you know politics. This is a weird election. One week this happens and it shifts and the next week something will happen contrary. So uh, I don't think Trump will ever admit that he would quit if he quit uh, because, you know, he's right now burning through money. But if he quits, Rick, it'll be, I don't know, it'll, I think it'll be some other reason. And forgetting um, uh, Eric, yeah, that happens. He won't forget Donald Jr., by the way. <laughs> but Eric, yeah, he will. Yeah, yeah, yeah everyone forgets Eric. Uh, as, right. as you probably, I, I'm not even going to go there. Uh, but here's the thing. You know, you, I was just reading a story about, you know, his aides are trying to push him in a direction where, hey, maybe, maybe start going after after Biden, maybe start you know trying to talk about some policy to unify the, the party. Maybe stop with all of the fixation on on personal grievance. Maybe start talking about what you're going to do for people, other than you know talking about retribution and and revenge and, and all of that stuff. Maybe just a thought. Yeah, you know, my dad was a what you'd call a ticket splitter. He wrote a, I think strictly Democrat, um, probably up 
to around the eighties. And then he would split his ticket, you know? So dad was a good barometer. He had, you know, worked with the, um, uh, same job, 36 years, he was in a union and he was a good barometer. And when he was running against Biden, my, I think my late father said it the best, he turned to me one day and he goes, you know, he said, if, if Trump was just 20% nicer, because there are people that actually look at that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's okay to be aggressive in politics. You know it. Uh, sometimes you pull your hair. Uh, you and I have talked when somebody's not countering or fighting back. You know, you say, go get them. But in Trump's case, just let's take for a second Nikki Haley. Now, Nikki Haley, as you and I know, is running out of money. And Nikki Haley will, you know, not be beating Donald Trump. If he, I argue if he leaves and doesn't run, then she'll be the front runner. But he attacks her husband who's in the military. He may have known that. He may have not known that he was uh, overseas. I don't know. But here's the point about Nikki Haley. Why would you be wanting to take some of the fiercest attacks on her? He was calling her Nimba, making fun of her name because her mom and dad were born in India and immigrated to the United States. And she was raised here and was a governor and his ambassador to the United Nations, but he still continued to make fun of her. And this is the side of Trump that takes the aggression angle and just puts it on steroids. And I know what the staff are doing because I have friends in DC who are alarmed that Trump will simply not give up this stolen election. They're getting me. And he's twisting it to the point where if he does win, Rick, if he wins, he will basically, I think, destroy the down ticket. That's what's going to happen. So if he wins, they are going to lose seats in the House, and it's going to make it so difficult for the Senate. He's going to hurt the down ticket. He he takes the issues, and he makes them you know go into a vacuum of one issue, him about him in the elections. And, and I'll conclude with this on this topic. When I was running and I was imagining, you know, I ran for 24 years. If I was running today, how would you get away from the constant barrage of was the election stolen? Was the election stolen? You know, this constant talk about his court cases. You know, you if you're running for Congress, you want to get to the meat yep. and, and potatoes of the issue. And he should listen to his staff and take Biden, you know, head on on issues. Now, he may not have the strongest case, but people are going to grow tired of hearing just about him. Well, I mean, he plays the victim card like nobody else. And and this this the, the stolen election thing, he's he just can't can't get past. Now, look, he did an interview interview with Brett Baer, and Brett Baer was giving him a chance to to maybe right. talk about something else. I'm sure this was one of those planted kind of, "Hey, can you ask him about what he would do?" Here, uh, Bear asked him, what do you say to that female independent suburban voter who feels uh, that way to win her back? Um, and and Trump goes, you know, first of all, I won in 2020 by a lot. Let's get that straight. Uh, if you look at all the tapes and he's fixated on this. So the first thing he says is I won. And you go, that wasn't the question. Right. How are you going to balance the nation's nation's budget? Uh, I won. Did you see how much I won by? Yeah, you also had a great big deficit. He reminds me of a candidate, and this is no lie, when they ask about how do you uh, transition people, you know, working from uh, into the work population from human service assistance. 
and he would say abortion. How do you balance the nation's budget? Abortion. Every single thing was answered by abortion. Literally, and the guy believed this. Yeah. And when you look at Trump, uh, you're right. He was given a great softball where he could have went down the path of, of you know, the female votes and he could have quoted, sure, I took 69% uh, of the of the female vote. That was when he was running against Hillary, but he can talk about issues, et cetera. But at that, all he did was go back to the personal side of things. And that's what his staff is going to try to lure him away from. But I don't, I don't think he gets that opportunity. I don't think there's a connection somewhere up here of that question and how you answer it versus it's always about him. Yeah, I saw an I interview with, with your favorite guy, John Bolton. And and Bolton <laughs> yeah. said, you know, the, you know, about Trump that, you know, there's literally no policy thought process. He has no idea how to move policy. He has no idea how to strategically think. It's all that that primal kind of uh, I got to I, I got to I got to vindicate myself. It's all about and it's going to be all about uh, it is going to be all about retribution and revenge. But you, you brought up, you know, the, the abortion thing. Uh, which uh, Democrats have now got another thing to attack Republicans over. If, if ending Roe wasn't bad enough and Trump saying, I did that, if that's not bad enough, this whole thing with in vitro fertilization, this is really gaining steam with, with people who probably were anti-abortion to begin with and maybe not caring uh, that Roe went away. But this is another step towards what I keep saying is the end of contraception, the end of you know, women having the right to choose whatever they want to do. This is moving us towards Christian Sharia law. And I think maybe people are waking up to it. Right. And and this is, you know, controversial Senator Duckworth, I think, you know, has began to address this and with the Alabama decision. But it is another area that's going to be extremely uh, tough for the Republicans. By the way, with John Bolton, and, and as you know, I don't care for him. I think he's been the lead culprit amongst some other people in these wars that we've been in. And, and I think he's a, a real danger. He's obsessed. Uh, he wants war with Iran. But I have read all of his statements he has made about the internal meetings. And I believe him. I believe his, as much as I don't care for him, I believe his statements are accurate of how he has portrayed meetings. Because on that issue, I don't think you'll see Bolton lying because he, you know, he's a, he's a policy maniac, maybe bad policy, but he's a policy maniac for him to go into the room with Trump. It must've literally just blown his mind. Yeah, no. And, and look, I've talked to a couple of people and I think you as well uh, told me that, you know, in talking with Bolton, he's somebody who, who notes everything. This is a guy who writes, you know, everything down. So he's, he's, he's probably literally got the notes. Yeah. He literally has a notepad with him and he has a, he has a steel trap memory. Like I said, I, I put aside for a second my dislike of, of things that he's done. He's had a litany of them, but he has a steel trap memory. He will remember uh, meetings. You never really catch John Bolton saying, uh, you know, I, I don't recall that meeting we had at NATO. You know, you don't see that with him. So I think his assessments are, are pretty accurate. Look, when Trump won, and, and I said this on your show at the time and all the stations that I did, when he won the first time, I had said uh, after the primary, when it was questioned, uh, you know, would he win the general? I said, listen, if he takes Pence, Pence is a former governor, former member of Congress. He knows how the trains run. He knows the bureaucratic system. He knows how cabinet members work. And 
and I, I said at the time, Trump is not a policy guy. He doesn't know how the trains run. And he will lean on uh, Pence and will utilize him. I didn't realize he was going to try to put him in the gallows, but he, he will <laughs> lean on him. And, and they never did that. It was yeah. it was a internal war between his staff and Pence, and they didn't do it. So, you know, though, if, you're, if you're not a policy guy, you at least have to have somebody that is and at least have an open mind to them, of which Trump had, you know, had neither. So let me ask you this, because, you know, I've got friends who are like, oh, if Donald Trump wins, you know, it's going to be the end of humanity. Uh, you know, there's you know, you, you know, the, you know, the, the drill. Uh, this is right. this is the end. Uh, do you think that by him being as inept as he is and, you know, maybe just focusing on on getting revenge and retribution, that nothing policy wise ever gets done and we just have four years of of bickering and status quo? Or do you or do you lean more towards this second term is going to be the more dangerous of the terms because he does understand a little bit more? Well, he understands a little bit more, but here here would be the icing of the danger cake, I think. This plan they have. Yeah, Project 2025. 2020. And that plan installs people into, and this is really important in the key positions. Now, anybody that has been in Congress knows about the personnel office because as soon as the president wins, the next thing you hear from people is, I want a job, and you've got the office of personnel, and they filter all these things through, right? Now, I'm not saying for certain level jobs under the Democrats or Republicans, they don't look at your pedigree. I'm not saying that. There's also a lot of non-political hires. Because here's the one thing, and you know this, you've seen elections for decades, and I have too. If you get elected and then you put somebody in a position that has no concept of what they're doing and you let them run something, they will run it into the ground inevitably. And that makes you look happen. bad. Yeah, it's going to happen. Makes you look bad. So what's going to happen is the first thing that he will do, and I'm convinced of this, this is going to be, this is going to be the start of the downfall that makes it a dangerous situation for how the government runs. They're going to flood loyalists who were on Facebook or Instagram praising Donald Trump, no matter what. And they may have never seen, you know, anything to do with environment or climate, but they might be running the EPA top echelon. And, and they come from, you know, some other background. Uh, maybe they stuffed envelopes. And, and here's the problem with that. There will be a breakdown of the government structure. Now, to answer the question, will we survive? I have faith in the United States it survives. Are we going to go through a lot of chaos? You bet we are. If this plan is carried out and these people are put all over the government, yeah. it will not functionally run. So... I think it will be a, a really bad situation for the population of the United States to live under the bureaucracy, which, by the way, you know, with competent people doesn't run correctly all the time. We all know that. Put incompetent people in there and you really have a, a train wreck. No, well, it's yeah, a they, bad situation. They've always told us government doesn't work and now they're going to show us. But, you know, I, I would argue just a little bit, just a, just a tinge different to what you were saying. Uh, because I think Project 2025 is, I think the Heritage Foundation and the people who are behind this are going to go get the best minds to do the worst work. And the lower jobs, the, bu the bureaucrat jobs, 
once Trump cleans out the federal workforce using this Schedule F, that's where you're going to bring in the minions and the, the yes people who are going to just be total total patronage hires out to do the right. whatever they're told to do. Uh, that, to me, is that's the worst scenario of all. Well, I look at the 2025 as the as the people that have no government background are going to be spread all over the government in different positions. Now, your higher level positions, I agree with you, uh, like Miller, uh, who is his main guy on immigration, who wants to shut down legal immigration. Yeah. You know, if, if he had his way, Nikki Haley's parents would never have legally immigrated into uh, into America. Now, guys like that, they're going to pick lieutenants. You're right. And they're going to place them in the in the top key positions so the lieutenants do what they want. And then they'll have the minions out there, you know, the uh, and you got the yes the, people the retail. Yep. Retail bureaucrats and the most the most loyal of them uh, willing to do whatever mm -hmm. to kiss the orange behind. Uh, but let me to kind of wrap this up, because, you know, where we started out is, you know, you know, Trump is, you know, I think clearly going to be uh, the nominee. I, I, there's a lot of talk of, you know, if he gets through the convention, I mean, Haley lost in her home state of South Carolina. That should basically be the end of it. Uh, Americans for Prosperity, that network, uh, they're 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 cutting her off. Uh, so the money supply is drying up. Um is there is there a chance? Do you think that that Haley? I know there's 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 interest from new no labels. Maybe a a Nikki Haley Joe Manchin ticket. Uh, thoughts? Haley Manchin, I think, would be good for no labels. It would give no labels absolute. Um, it'll give it some credibility, but it will give it absolute attention. Yeah. A Manchin Haley ticket would, yeah, it would. I don't care what anybody thinks of either candidate. That would be a really dynamic ticket when it comes to the independent crowd in the sense of, you know, Russ Perot was the last guy I think that really kind of got in there and was the danger rod, you know, when it came to independence, but a mansion Haley ticket would be, I, I think it would be really good because she's not going to be uh, a VP. Yeah. Uh, she won't take it. She won't be picked, but I think that uh, a mansion Haley ticket would be, very healthy for no labels. So Crazy Pack had their the final thing. Crazy Pack had their their little powwow uh, this past weekend. Um, they did a since there's no presidential poll, they did a VP poll, uh, and Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota, and and Vivek Ramaswamy tied for first place in the the poll to be Trump's running mate. I don't think it's going to be either of them. But any thoughts there? I don't think it's going to be Ramaswamy, uh, although. Uh, he would be interesting for several reasons. Uh, you know, his family came from India. I think that's a great thing about Nikki Haley. The vice president of the United States is is uh, half Indian. Uh, the Asian vote. I think Ramaswamy would bring that into the ticket. He's ultra conservative, so that wouldn't you know bother uh, bother Trump. But I don't think it's going to be him. Uh, and then Governor Nome uh, would be a good choice, but I, I don't know. Um, if he picks Stefanik, it's just going to be outrageous. Yeah. Well, they're still talking outrageous. Tucker Carlson. <laughs> they, well, they need the they need the female vote. Yeah. Uh, so I, that's why I said it wouldn't be Ramaswamy. Well, we we will see. It, it doesn't really matter. They're going to play second fiddle, and I don't know anyone who would want it. If you want it. Um, well, you probably deserve what you're going to get. But, Bob, as always, I appreciate the time and the thoughts. 
Thank you, Rick. Good stuff. Our good friend Bob Nay, former Ohio, Ohio congressman and political analyst. Want to hear your thoughts? Email me, Rick, at thericksmithshow.com. Let's take a quick break. Right back. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 2011. That was the day the labor movement took an historic stand in Madison, Wisconsin. That cold Saturday, a crowd of union members and supporters swelled to more than 100,000 people at the state capitol building. The protesters were there to march, sing, chant, and stand defiant against anti-union legislation proposed by Wisconsin's Republican Governor Scott Walker. Known as Act 10, the legislation aimed to slash union rights of public sector workers. The protests at the Capitol had begun with a small crowd on Valentine's Day. Nearly two weeks later, historian Stuart Leventon called the protests the biggest crowds in Madison's history. As protesters marched, famous supporters and labor leaders gave speeches. Peter Yarrow of the musical group Peter, Paul, and Mary exhorted to the crowd, the eyes of the world are on you. And he was right. Media coverage of the massive protests dominated news channels. Labor was taking a stand. Yet despite the massive protest, the Wisconsin Republicans had a supermajority in the legislature to pass their anti-union attacks. Since 2011, they have expanded their attacks to the private sector as well, passing a statewide right-to-work law. The impact has been devastating to working people in Wisconsin. Public sector workers have had to pay more for health care and retirement, losing 10% of their real wages. Governor Walker had promised to create a quarter of a million new jobs during his first term. He could not even deliver half that amount. By the summer of 2015, Wisconsin median family income growth ranked 50th in the nation. Those who marched in Madison could see these dark days coming. What will it take to stop these attacks on working people? back to the rick smith show check out our website thericksmithshow.com questions comments something on your mind email me rick at thericksmithshow.com so evidently trump is uh uh getting 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 kind of kind of beat up a little bit over his comments uh on friday uh where he suggested that his 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 appeal was being strengthened in the black community uh because well they relate to him because of his recent indictments, um, <laughs> actually quite quite comical what what he was what he was saying. Uh, again, trying to make play the victim card, which, as I say, Republicans do a really great job of. Um, you know, no one, and I said nobody plays the, the victim like a Republican, and and Trump does it better than everyone. But you know, he's he's saying you know look you know you know the the blacks they 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 understand me. Because we've been, we've been discriminated. He said, my mugshot. We've all seen the mugshot. And you know who embraced it more than anybody else? The black population. It's incredible, he said. <laughs> and then he tried to make a joke. And this is where you go. If, if, if you're his campaign staff, can you just, can you imagine, you know, every time he goes off script, every time he, he goes on one of these rambling, you know, who knows where he ends up. Uh, he's talking about the lights being bright in his eyes and that, you know, he can't see the people out in the crowd. 
He says, I can only see the black ones. I can't see the white ones. You see, that's how far I've come. That's how far I've come. What? So you're not racist anymore? Is that, is that what that was supposed to mean? Now, I got to think it was, you know, way, the way it was you know laid out is, you know, the stereotype of you can't see black people in dark in the dark. So he can't see white people in the light. Which, um, <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, the thing is, they are really making a push, like at no other time, to go after the black community. They really are. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're spending a lot of money, a lot of money, propping up commentators and media outlets and all kinds of all kinds of uh, you know ways to, to get into the to that community a lot of a lot of pastors because there's a lot of money flow a lot of money flowing and and look you know if you can chip away a little bit of that vote especially in in a couple of key states um that's that's the way they see that as the way to victory now what i find interesting is a billionaire a billionaire uh, or, or supposedly a billionaire a guy who's never done an honest day's work in his life, uh, a guy who's never never worried about you know paying a bill or if his kids are going to eat or if you know they're going to get evicted, never had those concerns. That guy is claiming that he's being discriminated against. That's the part, you know. And and that then comparing him, who has unlimited resources basically to defend himself and a massive megaphone to get people's sympathy is comparing that to poor people who can't afford a lawyer. Um, now look, obviously Trump doesn't pay his lawyers, uh, so maybe he can't get one either. So maybe there is some point, maybe there is discrimination. Uh, maybe the lawyers are looking at both groups, the very poor people who have no money to be able to pay them. And then Trump, who just decides not to pay them, he I guess maybe that lawyer's looking at both of them going, no, probably not the best idea for me. It's it's crazy. It really, really is crazy, the world that we're in. And the sad thing is, is this guy's going to be the, the nominee of a major political party. Uh, I, I know, I know. It, it's I, I know my friend Bob doesn't believe that he's going to be the nominee, uh, but I don't see any other way. Want to hear your thoughts? Email me, rick at the ricksmithshow.com. You miss any portion of the program, make sure you grab the podcast. Wherever you get your favorite podcast, you'll find ours. Thanks so much for being here. We'll see you back here next time. You've been listening to The Rick Smith Show. Email Rick, Email rick at rick at the ricksmithshow.com. Until next time, this has been The Rick Smith Show, where working people come to talk. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.